Now we come to our fourth and final session on verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And we have talked about brothers and love and long for and beloved and my joy and my crown, all these amazing relational descriptions of his affections for them. And we've left out, until now, the decisive logical connector, therefore, and so clearly that's relating to what just went before, and the command, stand firm thus, and thus relates to what went before and in the Lord. So we have three pieces, and let's take them a one and two and three. Father, as we try to understand why Paul wrote, therefore, and how this command to stand firm thus is an inference from what has gone before, and how this, this command is to be carried out in the Lord, as we try to understand these things, be our guide, be our teacher, I pray, so that we can live these things out the way Paul did. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we start with the command. Stand firm thus in the Lord. So we have to go back here to the previous paragraph and see what thus is referring to. Let those of us who are mature think this way. So he's calling for a certain way of thinking. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. Only let us hold true. So first think a certain way. Let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes Fix your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. So imitate me and imitate those who imitate me. So those are the three imperatives of the preceding paragraph. And so when he says that we should stand firm thus, I take him to refer back to what he commanded them to do here by way of standing, because the rest of this is support for this. Stand firm in thinking this way about the way I pursue the future and the way you should pursue the prize of the upward call of God. Stand firm in holding true or walking in accord with what you've attained, and stand firm thus in imitating me. So that's how I understand what the content of thus is here. Stand firm thus. And we'll see perhaps more content to it as we unfold the rest of this chapter. But first, 
in the Lord. What does it mean to say, stand firm thus in the Lord? And I suspect it has two aspects. One is in dependence on the Lord. Or you could say in um, reliance or in faith in the Lord, in trust in the Lord, or in the power of the Lord. In other words, when you undertake to stand don't be self-reliant. Do it in the power of the Lord. Or, and my guess is it's both and here, not either or, in um, imitation of the Lord. Or if you wanted to use two P's, you could say pattern. So, in the Lord would be in the pattern of the Lord, looking at him, as we look to Paul, to imitate Paul, join in imitating me, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us, because I'm imitating Christ. So, in the pattern of the Lord, but not in self-reliance following the pattern of the Lord, but in the power of of the Lord by trusting in the Lord, being dependent upon the Lord. So that's how I understand in the Lord here, in his power and in his pattern, which brings us now to therefore. So therefore establishes the connection with the preceding as a, an inference, like we learned in geometry. We could use a little inference sign here. Because of what has gone before, therefore, stand thus in the Lord. And then all of those wonderful relational words. So what is he drawing this therefore from? What has he just said that makes standing firm so important? Let's see. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears... Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and their shame with minds set on earthly things. So there's the negative warning. If you don't stand in this way and in imitation of me and in holding true to what you have seen, but rather you become like the enemies of the cross, whose God is their belly and who glory in their shame, your end will be destruction. Therefore, stand firm thus. Because if you don't, you, you perish. You'll be destroyed if you give yourself up to earthly things. And then the positive. So this is negative and this is now positive. But our citizenship is in heaven. 
We're not devoted with our mindset on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So, this is the positive incentive. This is the negative warning here, and this is the positive incentive. If you stand firm thus in the Lord, you will show that you are among those whose citizenship is in heaven. You will be awaiting a Savior, the Lord Jesus, and when he comes, there will not be destruction not destruction, but what? Transform your lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Therefore, therefore, stand firm thus in the Lord, because If you don't, you go into destruction. If you do, the Lord Jesus transforms your body by the very power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So this is a climactic call simply to live in and stand in the pattern of life that he's been describing in the previous paragraphs. And we do it as the pattern of the Lord Jesus that we saw back in chapter 2, 5 to 11, and in the power of the Lord Jesus that we saw in 2, uh, 12 and 13, where you work out your salvation because he is the one who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. And he is speaking to brothers whom he longs for, who are his joy, his crown, and they are his Beloved, so how much he wants them to thus stand by the power and the pattern of the Lord, because if they don't, they perish. If they do, they have everlasting glory.